Welcome to another episode of the Historical Society of the New York Courts podcast series, where we discuss why legal history matters. My name is Bill Henricks. I'm the Dean of Academic Life for the Bard Early Colleges and Bard High School Early College Manhattan, where students earn an associate's degree and a high school diploma, all tuition free. Last year, I met with Aaron Welt to discuss his time teaching guns, gangsters, and graft. I was in my home studio, formerly my coat closet. Uh, today, though, I'm back in my work office, and I'm proud to say last week we celebrated an in-person graduation with 150 students. We're beginning to return to brick and mortar learning. Today, however, we are back online and talking about a year of teaching and learning at a distance. Today is Thursday, July 1st, and we're in for a fascinating discussion with Lauren DeRosier on the topic of her experience as a Judith S. K. Teaching Fellow through a grant from the Historical Society. She's been a fellow both on our Long Island City campus and our Lower East Side campus, teaching a course called American Immigration in New York State. Lauren, I was hoping we could start out by hearing a bit about you, where you studied, your ongoing legal advocacy work, and what drew you from that work into the classroom as a Judith S. K. Fellow. Thanks so much, Bill. It's so wonderful to be here and talking with you today. Congratulations on the return to in-campus, on-campus learning. Um, congratulations on the in-person graduation. Um, so I'm Lauren DeRosier. I am the outgoing Judith S.K. Teaching Fellow. Um, in my other role, I'm a practicing immigration attorney. Um, for the past several years, I've focused my work on helping queer and trans immigrants seeking primarily humanitarian immigration belief and immigration relief. Um, I've represented a really large variety of people, but in particular, I've represented asylum seekers, um, survivors of trafficking, survivors of hate and intimate partner violence, as well as survivors of torture. I just recently um, joined Albany Law School's immigration clinic as a staff attorney. Um, but before that, I was practicing with the Anti-Violence Project in New York City. I previously, um, in my studies, I spent three very happy years in Ann Arbor, Michigan, studying at the University of Michigan Law School. Um, but I think most relevant to our conversation today is I am a very proud product of the Bard Early College system. I started college at Bard College at Simons Rock when I was 16. Um, and I graduated with a Bard BA in 2008 when I was 20. My time at Simons Rock was just an incredibly formative experience um, for me intellectually and developmentally. Um, it's somewhere that I really cherish and I really cherish having had that experience because it was really the first time that I had been able to let loose with my intellectual curiosity. So when I found out about the Judith S.K. Fellowship, um, I was just so excited to apply for it because it seemed like such an amazing opportunity to teach law and the role of the courts and legal history to Bard early college students who had been in a similar position or were in a similar position to where I had been. Um, and so I was just really excited to be able to take the opportunity to share my knowledge and contribute back to the Bard early college system, um, which was so crucial for my development. Thank you, Lauren. I thought I would just describe briefly the nature of the Judith S.K. Fellowship. This is a fellowship that brings 
practitioners of the law or scholarship around the law into the Bard High School early college classrooms as professors to teach courses of their own design based on their own research. Uh, these courses are always informed by New York state law and the role of New York state law in various issues in this country, whether it be immigration or crime or the environment or privacy, all these topics of great interest to our students. And Lauren brought her work into the classroom this year as a fellow. Um, for our students, it's a real opportunity to learn about aspects of scholarship and the law that they could never get in a typical high school or college classroom. It's only thanks to bringing experts from the outside through this fellowship that we can introduce students not just to the law in general, but to specific and important aspects of it. One of the things we also hope for out of this fellowship is that students gain some understanding of civics. Um, Lauren, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the importance of civics. Uh, and how maybe your students learned a bit about it through their course with you. Um, I think that a civics education is so crucial to students understanding how the world works um, in a kind of obvious way. Um, but I think that teaching students the way that government works, the way that the courts work, um, I think it demystifies uh, a really complex system that is often misunderstood by a large, a large part of our society. Um, and so I think demystifying that and really teaching how our legal systems, our governmental systems works, leads students to be a lot more engaged in the, the things that matter to them. They see the system, they understand what's happening a little bit more. And I think that makes them a lot more engaged with ideas and activism and understanding where they fit and how they can influence a system. Um, because I think that, that really leads to an engaged populace and ideally democracy, right? Um, we want to foster an engaged populace um, and engaged students who value um, and want to contribute to the way that our systems function. I think that ideally legal history is also a really good lens through which to understand um, where we are today. We are in such a critical place in our, in our government, um, in the way that we conceptualize of our government and the kind of struggles between people with very different um, values and ideas. And I think that contextualizing that with legal history, with seeing where our system has been before, can be very um, illuminating to students. I think it makes them a lot more engaged in understanding how things work today. I'm going to give an example because I think that tying it to a concrete idea and specifics uh, will be helpful. So we are all kind of familiar with the rise in anti-Asian hate violence that's been hitting really astronomical levels over the past year. One of the things that we look at in immigration legal history is the history of anti-Asian sentiment in immigration law. Back in the 19th century, there were a number of um, acts on the federal level that excluded 
people um, coming from Asia for various reasons. I think that having that context um, allows for interesting discussions and illuminates where we are now as a country for students. And I think that it, um, it, it helps teach the intricacies of understanding how we got to where we are today. Um, it can be very difficult to have those discussions, but I think that one of the things that's really important when we're looking at the law and legal history is not to shy away from um, kind of the uglier parts of where we've been, because I think that it leads people to, um, to kind of see how much progress has been made to where we are today. Thank you. Well, I know your work has been immensely helpful with, with the students in helping them gain understanding of the role of the law um, in both being an obstacle to and a source of progress. Um, one of the things I'm hoping that helped you out this year was also having some folks in from the outside through the Historical Society of the New York Courts, which has a number of guest speakers, judges, lawyers, et cetera. Could you talk a little bit about the interaction between you, your class, and uh, the Historical Society? The Historical Society is so amazing. Um, I am just so indebted to how supportive they were throughout the entire past academic year. Um, we weren't able to arrange field trips because of COVID, which I think was really unfortunate. And um, I wish that we could, we could do this all over again so that without COVID, so that we could have some very cool field trips. Um, but nevertheless, the Historical Society was so available and so helpful with um, connecting me and students with knowledge and resources. So I know the first semester um, in the fall, one of my students was writing this like really amazing legal history paper. And she was trying to find 19th century New York State immigration case law, which if you've ever done any like 19th century nitty gritty legal research, the idea of doing it as, um, you know, an early college student is just really, um, it's really challenging. It's really challenging for everyone. But the Historical Society was able to um, help her and help her find cases that were really on point and help her with her paper. And so that's just kind of one example of a really of the student interaction. Another example is the amazing guest speaker that we were able to have this past semester. So David Goodwin is an attorney at Appellate Advocates and is also a trustee. And he was able to come to the class and explain to us the really complicated intersection between criminal law and immigration law. It's a really, really difficult and constantly evolving area of the law. And having an expert who is practicing in that field come and explain his work to the students was just really incredible. It was also such an amazing opportunity for students to see and hear a real expert talk about their career path, talk about their values and what they see in the law and what drew them to the law. Because I think so many of the students that I've had are so interested in pursuing law as a career path 
it was really great to have other examples, not just me, but other examples of ways that they could go um, for their careers. Wonderful. We've talked a bit about you and some of the folks coming in from the Historical Society of New York courts to inform the classes. Now let's turn to the students. Who were your students and what drew them to your course? Why don't we start there? So my students are the most amazing, brilliant students that could possibly be on this earth. Um, they were just two groups of really outstandingly brilliant early college students from BSEC. Many of them are from very different backgrounds. A lot of them, if not all of them, were interested in law as a potential career path. Um, they were very interested in pursuing legal careers, um, interested in pursuing immigration as a field. And I think that having access to a really quite challenging course, I think, in the law was just a really great opportunity for them to get a taste of what the law is like, what learning the law entails, what the different parts of the law are. I think that a lot of them really just appreciated the opportunity to, to kind of dip their toes in that. Great. They've wrapped up the class. What would you say they took away from it? And not just from the class itself, but maybe in terms of how it's influenced next steps for them, course selections, their thinking, et cetera. I pretty quickly learned that what I wanted to teach was not the content uh, quite so much as the value and the process of learning the law. And so I think that they took away uh, an ability to look at how the law works. So who are the different parties involved in a lawsuit? Who is the judge? What court are we in? And I think that being able to parse apart those really difficult questions was hopefully the main takeaway that they took. Um, that, that was kind of my goal. I think that they also took away an ability to think narrowly and critically and specifically, but also ambitiously and bravely. So in so many of the final papers that my students wrote, they had really amazing research that I was just so blown away by um, and just had the most interesting connections between different parts of the law that I never would have seen. And then they were just so creative in making those legal arguments. I was just really so pleased and so just so proud of them that they were able to really craft interesting, specific, legally sound arguments um, that were often quite critical or very, very ambitious in what their thesis was. So I hope that they um, will continue that. I think that there are many of them that are transferring out to different colleges um, for next year. And I hope that they take those critical learning skills um, to wherever they're going next. It sounds like their learning skills for other academic areas 
uh, and for life in general. But I think it's an amazing sense of the, the kind of thinking you do in a law class can be applied in so many other disciplines. Like we forget sometimes that in English class, we use terms like proof and evidence um, without realizing that they have legal origins to them. And going back to the law underneath them, will probably strengthen their ability to be writers uh, and historians and also work in a lot of, and view critical information and things like science as well. So it sounds like they've learned some really important thinking and writing skills that bridge the curriculum. You did this all over Zoom at a distance and you knew that at a certain point that all of your teaching this year was gonna be over Zoom or likely to be. Tell me a little bit about how your teaching was impacted by distance learning. Oh, goodness. It was really hard. Um, this was my first teaching experience. So I think that was both harder and easier um, than maybe others who had more experience teaching in person. I didn't have that experience. So I got to make it all up on my own. Um, not make it all up on my own as though I had no support, but I didn't have any preconceived notions of how things should go. And so I think that I had that as, I think that that was a benefit, but at the same time, online teaching is so hard. It's hard to read a Zoom room. It's hard to tell if students are, you know, paying attention really intently or if they're bored from their little icons that I can see on, on Zoom. I think that most of them were actually quite engaged um, and they had really amazing discussions with each other, but it was definitely difficult to facilitate at times. You know, coming from a legal background, I was surprised by how influenced I had been by the Socratic method, which is something that gets really indoctrinated in us in law school. And it just doesn't work online with, with the students that I had because it, it can be quite alienating and it's easy for the other students to kind of drop back. And so I actually think like the more you can get students into a discussion with each other, it just flows so much better and it's so much easier to keep the entire class engaged. I do think that also just teaching immigration law, especially over the past year, was difficult. It's a difficult, it is a difficult topic. Um, it is not pretty always. It can be hopeful at times. There are definitely points of hope, but it was so resonant with so many of the themes that were coming up in in the news so frequently that I think that that was an additional challenge for the class. Um, but my students were um, very much up to that task and were able to kind of use it to think critically about um, kind of the things that were happening in in politics over the past year. Yes, I did mention earlier that Lauren Bravely went into this as a first-time teacher as a visiting professor. And the only advantage of that would be not having to adapt a class to the online environment, rather creating it for that online environment. And the class was quite successful. In both of its iterations, the student feedback was extraordinarily positive on both campuses. Students, I think, started to forget what in-person learning looked like. I brought students back in the building and asked them to get into small groups. And they said, you mean breakout rooms? 
which is the term, of course, on Zoom for putting groups of students together. They sort of become so, so Zoomified that this has become their new normal. You did have a chance to teach this class twice, so it wasn't as new the second time. Um, tell us a little bit about how, with the adaptations to Zoom, but also adapting to becoming a classroom teacher, how did you adjust the class for the second iteration based on sort of lessons learned from the first iteration? I'm so grateful for my first round of students. I learned so much from them um, and they gave me really great feedback, including what readings they hated. So I was really excited about teaching them legal history and theory and it was, I had some readings that were like, this is what legal history is, this is why we do it. And it was, I designed them early on in the course and the feedback that I got from students was that it was pretty much incomprehensible to them and that they just didn't have enough knowledge at that point to make sense of what the readings were. So I took a lot of the feedback that I got the first semester from students. A lot of it was very informal because I was trying to, at that point, still figure out the best way to structure things. And for the second iteration, I used the same syllabus. I taught most of the same material, but I focused less on the content and more of the process because I, I do think that that is what one of the key takeaways is always going to be. I wanted to get them to be able to parse apart legal opinions. How does the law work? How does case law work? And I think that that focus made it kind of smoother process because I wasn't so focused on teaching content and instead trying to teach about structures, about how courts work, about how the legal system works. Um, and I think that it worked really well. I think that being less focused on the content and getting through the syllabus allowed me a little bit more breathing room to take two days to go through a complicated case. So New York versus ICE is a really great case to teach. And we ended up taking two days to go over it. And that was okay because I kind of realized from the first round that parsing apart a decision that's a state and a local DA suing a federal agency in federal court that's venued in New York under federal law, but also under New York state common law. It's very difficult to kind of parse all that apart in an hour and a half. And so in the second iteration of the class, I had the experience to give a little bit more breathing room so that I wasn't trying to rush through things and the students would be able to really have a full discussion to flesh out all the ideas. One of the things that we all are sort of wondering after this year, this was an experiment we were obligated to undergo, not one that we chose to, but we're wondering about how this will affect the future of teaching once we get to make choices about in-person instruction, remote or blended. After having had this experience with teaching, as you're heading off to the University of Albany uh, Law Center, as a, to be a lawyer, what is your thinking about the future of education and the possible role of online learning? I think that even before the pandemic, there was a trend towards moving more things online. Um, and I think that that trend will continue. 
I think that having Zoom as something that we are all quite facile with now um, is really beneficial to opening up just possibilities. So guest lectures, for instance, if we can get a guest lecture on Zoom who is maybe in Washington, D.C. or L.A. or San Francisco or Georgia, that is going to be a lot easier to set up now and I think moving forward in the future. And so I do think that there's going to be a lot more blended tools that we are going to have to continue teaching in interesting and creative ways. I don't think that there is going to be a permanent shift to fully online um, because I do think that there are really specific challenges that arise from that, particularly with kind of younger learners that I think developmentally and um, pedagogically, it's not going to be uh, necessarily the boon that it might be for somebody working from home well into their career. But I do think that because so much of the rest of the world is kind of like also moving towards a more blended um, remote model, I think that education will, will continue in that direction. We shall see. I think that there are many positive takeaways, uh, but also a reaffirmation of some of the extraordinary value of face-to-face -face contact with human beings, particularly younger. I agree. I agree. I've never met any of my students in person, and uh, I'm actually, it's actually quite sad to me that I've, I've really just seen them over Zoom. So I, uh, I think that there is most definitely value in that. Well, we will hope to bring you back on campus for a talk at some point. I do want to mention that Bard has a campus in the Hudson Valley, which is not too far from Albany. So there's always the possibility of teaching there at some point. Um, that, that is true. But thank you for giving us a window today into your history. And thank you to the Historical Society for making this conversation possible. Um, and again, we'd love to have you back, Lauren, for a class and a lecture. And for the audience, for more conversations like this, you can visit the Historical Society's website at history.nycourts.gov. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you, Historical Society of New York Courts. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.